creating a space for women and non-binary folks, entrepreneurs who wanted to start their own tourism businesses was a way for me to, on a micro scale, move the needle like a millimeter in terms of gender equity and create a safe space and question the systems that are in place that got us to an industry where 92% of the money and power are not in the hands of the majority of the workforce, which is women. Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week, I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not going to happen overnight and you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe, and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hello, hello. My name is Kara and welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. Did you know that even though women make up the vast majority of the purchasing power in travel, in fact, an estimated 80 to 85% of all travel-related purchases and decisions are made by women, and women make up a majority of the workforce across the industry, less than 10% of those in higher management positions identify as female. Iris Sabanescu is on a mission to change the status quo and help women and non-binary folks especially those of color or who are part of the LGBTQ community, launch and scale their own travel businesses. In January of 2022, she founded Women's Work, an accelerated program aimed at empowering folks with the knowledge and support to attain their goals of entrepreneurship, while also furthering ownership and increasing gender equality in this sector. Now, I was listening back to our conversation, and it definitely sounds like I'm an affiliate for her program because I endorse it so much, but I'm not. I just love what she's doing, and I'm so excited to see women helping one another achieve big goals in this industry. I genuinely believe that the more we support one another, the further we go and the more we can achieve. So I'm just genuinely excited to share what Iris is doing and really believe in the mission she supports. Iris comes with a wealth of knowledge and shares some pretty jarring statistics on gender inequality in the travel industry. It was also fascinating to hear how she started this accelerator program and what she's learned since it first launched earlier this year. There are quite a few people I've met in this industry who are educators and interested in course creation or leading trainings or workshops for newcomers in their niche. So I think this is a great episode if you've ever considered transitioning out of what you're doing whether that be working as a travel agent or running your own tour company, and instead transitioning into teaching others how to essentially follow in your footsteps. On the other hand, if you're in the early stages of your business and interested in being taught by some of the brightest minds in the industry, and you just like to connect with people who are equally passionate about gender equality and supporting a great cause, then I definitely recommend checking out Iris's program. The next cohort is actually starting September 19th of 2022. 
So you've still got time to apply if you're interested. Not all applicants will necessarily get a place. You do have to apply to be considered, but definitely check it out if it's something that interests you. Like I said, I've got no affiliate connection whatsoever. I'm just supporting it because I love what Iris is doing. However, one quick aside before we get into the episode, I was sitting in a very squeaky chair when conducting this interview and very much underestimated just how squeaky it was. So I do apologize if you hear some background noise in this episode. One of the challenges of not having a real home and moving around the country pet sitting for people is that these interviews are conducted in completely different environments all the time. And I try my best to scope out the best locations and create the best setup for sound, but things don't always go to plan. Anyways, Iris is so charismatic that I'm sure the squeaky chair will not distract you. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here is Iris Sabinescu of Women's Work. All right. Hello, Iris. Welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Happy to have you here today. Hi, Kara. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, and no, we were just talking off the recording, how we got connected on LinkedIn a while ago. We're excited because we, you know, support what each other are doing and supporting women in this industry. And then funnily enough, just a week ago, I posted in a Facebook group for podcasters saying if anyone could recommend amazing women in this industry to, to host on the show and your name was one of the first ones to be recommended. So I was certain that I picked the right guest to, to have. I love this. It was so meant to be. This is awesome. (laughs) It really is. Now, you've got an incredible story. I've looked through your LinkedIn. I've read about your business and kind of the movement that you're you're making. And I'm so excited to learn more. So let's start before we go into that. Let's hear about just your personal background, where you're from, how you got into travel, and then your experience in the industry up until now. Yeah, awesome. So I started in the travel industry about 10 years ago, it was a really deliberate move. Um, I was working right out of business school, I started working at a corporate insurance brokerage, which is just was just as fun as it sounds. So (laughs) I actually had a boss tell me that I was too enthusiastic to be working in insurance. And I totally agreed with him. So I really was looking for, you know, I had kind of been showing up at work feeling disengaged and I was seeing my life passing before my eyes and looking at people that had been there for 50 years or sorry, like 30 years in their fifties. And they were just, you know, doing the same things. And I realized corporate life just wasn't necessarily for me. So I made a really deliberate move to enter the tourism industry. And the the reason why is because Travel's always been a really big part of my life um, ever since I was a kid because we emigrated here from Israel. I was actually born in Jerusalem and my family emigrated here from Israel when I was six months old. So I feel like I got the travel bug right away. My mom said I was like loving life on this 11 hour flight as, a, <laughs> as an infant <laughs> and not crying and just like she was like holding me up to look out the window and just amazing. So I feel like it's always been part of my DNA. And as a kid, I would take trips with my parents to, you know, road trips to Florida, like nothing exciting. But I just remember feeling so lit up by being on the open road and like seeing different cultures and how people lived in different places and just absorbing this throughout my life. So when the opportunity arose for me to do an exchange in Paris, when I was 20, in my last year of university, I 
I took it. I, I went and I lived in Paris for four months. And needless to say, like, I just caught the travel bug. Living in Europe, I mean, you know what it's like. You can get 50 pound flights anywhere. So I traveled a lot. And after graduating university um, and having that life changing experience living abroad, I really, I realized like following the traditional path wasn't for me. So I quit my job in corporate risk management. I moved, I, I started um, a diploma program at a local college. I did that for about 16 months. So it was about a year and a half program. And then that's when my travel career just like took off. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I started in hospitality and did an internship at the Four Seasons in Prague, which was just a fairy tale, basically. Wow. Living in the hotel and working in the restaurant and getting to see like how the concierge worked and the front desk and marketing and and food and beverage. And I learned a lot about hospitality, but I realized I really wanted to be actually working with businesses. It's always been sort of in there for me, like working with small businesses, working as either a consultant or a coach or something along those lines. I think I just, I noticed I enjoyed it in insurance. And if I can enjoy that in the insurance world, I can enjoy that in the travel. <laughs> so I sort of made that connection. And I, um, I ended up leaving Prague, moving back to Toronto and taking a job in working at a luxury travel agency and partnerships. So I was working with other hotels and tour operators and that kind of thing. From there, I got my dream job, actually. It was it was so my dream job at the time um, at a small tourism consulting firm in Toronto. And I worked as basically it was business. It was a business to business marketing role. So I helped adventure focused and niche focused tour operators and hotels get connected with businesses like travel agencies and tour operators in North America. So I was kind of the middleman in that regard and was doing that for about five years. And I really loved it. Got to travel to like 30 countries. It was incredible. And from there, I went into the tech world because I wanted to get some tech experience. So I worked for a travel tech company for three years as their director of partnerships. And then one year into that role actually was when the pandemic hit. And as I'm sure everybody in travel can relate, it really forced us to take stock of where we're at as people, where we're at in our businesses and in life. And I was really fortunate to be able to keep my job. I had a great boss, a great team. Like, unfortunately, we did have to reduce the size of our team at that time. But it really got me thinking, what's next? The industry needs to build back better. But like, what does that mean? And I started reflecting on my time in travel and how actually, the majority of the workforce is made up of women, about 55 to 60%. But the amount of women in leadership is less than 8%. So less than 8% of women hold executive positions in the travel industry, which means 92% of the money and power lie with men. And it's a really unequal balance. And that was something that didn't sit well with me. And I was reflecting on how all the entrepreneurs I worked with in my time over the past few years were really, you know, white men, like there weren't a lot of anyone else in the industry at that time in leadership or entrepreneurship. So I gave some thought to how I wanted to what what I wanted my next steps to be and decided that creating a space for women and non-binary folks, entrepreneurs who wanted to start their own tourism businesses was a way for me to on a micro scale move the needle like a millimeter in terms of gender equity and create a safe space and question the systems that are in place that got us to an industry where 
92% of the money and power are not in the hands of the majority of the workforce, which is women. So that's how women's work was born. And I launched that in January of 2022 of this year. I love that so much. That is exactly the kind of programs that we need to see because it's crazy to think that women are making up a majority of the workforce, but make up 8% of the, the leadership. It's just ridiculous. And you would think, I mean, tourism, there's a lot of industries where you almost expect that, but I feel like tourism it's not necessarily the industry that comes to mind when you think of masses of gender inequality. But if you walk into a lot of these offices, you see it right away. So it's it's wonderful that you're you're making an effort to shift that balance any way possible. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, like, and even the consumer, like, if you look at who makes purchasing decisions for travel, it's 70% women. So if you think about it, like, we make up the majority of consumers of the actual product and experience, or at least bookers of the experience for the family. And we make up the majority of the workforce, but like we don't have the money and the power, basically. And so that that inequity is something that we can't really have a sustainable tourism industry without gender equity. Um, we talk a lot about like sustainability and regeneration, and I think there's not too much focus. There's not as much focus on gender equity because People do think like, oh, there's so many women that work in travel that this isn't a problem for us, but we're not looking at the unequal distribution of power there. Absolutely. And it's so important to do so. And it's so interesting your comment about women making up the a lot of the, the buying power, the being the consumers. Because yeah, oftentimes you do hear that a woman is the one in charge of, you know, booking the flights, figuring out the itinerary, that sort of thing. So it's makes it even more absurd that we wouldn't make up a bigger part of the actual management in these in these offices. So I'm fascinated to hear what you actually teach in your accelerator program. Tell us a little bit more about what women's work is, what 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 is an accelerator program? Yeah, please share. Oh yeah, I love that question because most people are like, what is an accelerator? Like I don't actually understand what that means <laughs> and what you do. And I think the reason is because it's a really it's, they're very popular in the tech world, but not so much in other parts of the world or other parts of um, the industry. So an accelerator is basically, it's, it's a container of support and education and mentorship, and it can be in person or online um, to help small businesses get from one stage of their business to the next or to reach specific goals. And oftentimes accelerators are funded by investors. So investors will take like, 3% of their company or whatever the percentage they agree on is. Um, and in exchange for that, they'll get, the companies will get support and education and mentorship. But with my accelerator, I'm not taking equity. It's completely equity free. And we actually have sponsors that have come on to sponsor three spots that are, that number is growing up to five actually this year for anyone who identifies as racialized LGBTQ plus or disabled. Um, so you do pay to be part of the program, but we have, we don't take equity and we do have, have sponsors on board to offset those costs. And what we do in this program is basically help you get again from one stage of the business to the next. And it's really focused on early stage entrepreneurship. So those crucial early stages where like the fear creeps up, the self doubt creeps up, you don't know anyone else starting businesses. You don't know anyone else, even in your industry, you're at this place where you feel like you have this dream and this idea to start a tour operator or a hotel or a tech company or whatever your dream in tourism is, but you're not, you just don't have the tools or you don't know what you don't know to take it to the next level and to actually 
launch it and see it to success. So the way the way women's work works is that we have this 12 week program designed to get you answers to your questions, teach you about the industry and about like entrepreneurship fundamentals, and then create that container of support for you as you grow your business. And so what that looks like is we have masterclasses that are led by different experts in the industry. So we bring on subject matter experts in areas that are pretty standard to starting a small business. So like how to write a business plan, financials, we have mindset 101 as one of the of one of the courses in the curriculum, digital marketing. So we have these like base courses that are 90 minute masterclasses taught by subject matter experts. And then we custom curate the remaining five sessions of the program to whoever's actually in that cohort. So if they want to know about, you know, I really want to learn how to validate my business idea. Like, does this make sense? Okay. If one or two or three people want that, we'll bring an expert in to talk about that. If people want to know like how to work with an online tech stack and how to actually create business systems virtually that work for their type of business, we bring in a, a an expert for that. So there's all these different nuances to what the curriculum is based on who's in the program. And then um, on top of the master classes, we have one-on-one mentorship where we interview each cohort participant and then match them up with a mentor who's who can provide support in the whole journey, the whole 12 weeks, asking them the right questions, helping them out with tactical advice, and just kind of being there as a support for them through the program. And this was actually, this came out as one of the most valuable parts of the program from what I heard in the beta cohort that we just finished. Just having somebody that like has done what you've done before and can kind of guide you in avoiding the pitfalls. That's the value of that of that one-on-one mentorship. Then we also have a mentor roster, which is essentially my network. I, I've worked in partnerships for 10 years, so I have a vast network of really interesting, smart people, both entrepreneurs and executives. And anyone who's opted in to become a mentor on the mentor roster is committing to a 30-minute chat with each person in the program if they decide to book it, if they need that topic of conversation to help their business. So every participant has access to a mentor roster of about, let's say, 20 to 50 mentors that they can ping and just have a 30-minute chat with and ask questions. Um, And finally, there's the peer support pillar of the group, which in my experience, again, during the beta cohort was actually such a beautiful and valuable piece of the pie, because you often feel like the problems you're experiencing are you alone, like nobody else could possibly know what this feels like as an early entrepreneur, you feel like isolated, and you don't know what you're doing. And then you come to a women's work mastermind, and you realize, wow, okay, number one, I'm not alone. Everyone else feels this way, too, sometimes. And number two, they're giving me amazing solutions for how I can move forward in my business. So it's that that element of peer support and that we're all kind of stronger together um, on this journey is another piece of the puzzle that I really take pride in because I think it's important to bring people together when they're at similar stages of their journey to be able to help each other out in that way. That sounds fantastic. I was really curious when I was you know, reading up on your accelerator program, how it would differ from a lot of these online courses that are sold today. And I mean, it sounds like just the fact that you have the one-on-ones, the actual um, masterclasses, the roster access. So do the, do the students have access to 
as many on the roster as they like? Or do you try and limit it? Or yeah, uh, that's incredible. As many as they like. So the, the mentors on the roster commit to like, let's say if everyone in the cohort books um, a 30 minute call, whatever that amount of hours would be. So let's say five hours, they're like, yeah, I can give you five hours of my time over the next three months to help the next generation of women entrepreneurs. So every woman gets or non-binary person gets 50, sorry, 30 minutes with any as many mentors as they'd like. So that element of like, of having access to my network, and then also having the live masterclasses and having the peer support in the same place and that like container is really what makes it different from other online courses. Because education is one component, but being able to ask a question and get an answer right away that can help move your business forward in a really big way is pretty valuable. Absolutely. And what, and what sort of platform are you hosting this on? Or how are you how are you connecting with everyone? So we have a Slack group for all cohorts. Each cohort gets their own Slack group for communication. We do, we host the masterclasses on Zoom and then everything goes into Google Drive and they can access everything they need in Google Drive. So it's kind of a mishmash. If you have any suggestions for course content platforms, please let me know. I'm like (laughs) deep in that right now for this September cohort. And it's really challenging to find one that works. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that you're, a lot of services that you're providing within that. So to to find a platform that matches that would, would be challenging, I would imagine. But it does sound incredible. Do you offer any post cohort support? Like, can, is there a way that they can stay connected and continue to ask questions or? Yeah, yeah. So we actually just launched our alumni community, um, which I'm really proud of on LinkedIn. So what it is, is it's a closed LinkedIn group that adds the new cohorts from every or the new participants from every cohort. So once you finish the program, you get put into this group. And this group has every expert and mentor that has ever taught or been part of women's work, as well as past participants. So there's that ability to communicate, ask questions, and crowdsource responses from this group of people who have already gone through the program. But there's also um, the other element of that is we do monthly masterminds. So we'll have once a month, an hour long call, where anyone can join, come with a problem that they want a solution to, and again, like crowdsource that answer. And it's only for women's, that's only for women's work alumni. So anyone that's participated in the program. And then the other element is quarterly events for the whole community. So those are open to mentors, experts, and participants. And I bring in subject matter experts or, you know, inspiring people in the industry for fireside chats on different topics. And those happen four times a year. So once you're in the program, you're, you also now have lifetime access to this um, alumni community. That's very cool. And do you pay the mentors or the, the people in your network or uh, connecting with your students? So the subject matter experts, yes, they, I do pay them. A lot have offered to do it for free, which is beautiful and amazing. And I think that that really speaks to the values of the program, like generosity and kindness. And surprisingly, it was, it's was it been the men who have offered to do it for free, the men that have been teaching. So I think they know their role here. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and the mentors, no, that's not a paid, that's more of like a volunteer give back opportunity. Great. That sounds fantastic. And I can see how it would be appealing to so many different business owners. Who are some of the students that you've had? I know you've only done one full program so far. Where are these students coming from? What kind of businesses do they have? What stage of their business were they in when they joined? 
Oh, good question. So we have, we had, let me think of the breakdown here. So North America, so we had US and Canada, we had five participants from US and Canada, or sorry, six from US and Canada. And then we had one from India, and actually one from the UK um, in the past, in the past beta cohort. And four of them were starting tour operators. One of them was actually already launched, or sorry, no, three of them was launched, one of them were not. And then the other four were interested in starting hotels. So boutique hotels, boutique properties in different parts of the world. And they were all in the very early stages. They hadn't they hadn't bought the property yet. Some of them have the land. Some of them are looking for where they wanted to set up the properties. And so that whole side of the industry around hotels and hospitality is really niche. And I feel like they appreciated having this type of program in place so that they could get their questions answered around hotels and hospitality and that kind of thing. But yeah, the tour operators, we had yeah three kind of launched their businesses and were looking to either relaunch after COVID or just grow a little bit more and make sure that they had all the best practices in place. And one was just on the brink of launching her business. So kind of all within the first year of operations from you know ideation to, to first year of operations, that was the range. Very cool. And I know that first cohort just ended in early May, correct? So not that's that right. long ago. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, obviously that's not a huge amount of time, but what, how are they doing today? Have, have they managed to use some of the skills and knowledges they gained during that experience and apply it? Or are they still very much in the trenches of getting that their businesses going? I'm happy to report that actually one of the women in the program, when she first joined was very adamant that she was going to like wait until the time was right to kind of take the first step in becoming a full-time entrepreneur, which meant quitting her day job, her nine to five, where she'd been for many years. Um, So she was looking at maybe like a few months to a year timeline. But by the time she finished the program, she actually had made the decision to quit her job. She did it. She quit her job and is now able to work on her business and get that going. So Really exciting about that. And then one of the women in the program actually announced about halfway through that she had reached her full revenue goal for the year within the first six weeks of the year. (laughs) So I will say that that is a success story right there. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've had some fun. uh, We've had some fun ideas and some fun results come out of this first cohort. And, you know, we have a few others that just said they got a lot more clarity on their business idea and felt a lot more supported in actually taking the next steps. So um, we'll see, we'd like to keep in touch with them after the program's done and see what they've managed to pull off. Yeah, definitely. That's very exciting. And I wonder for you as the the founder of this, this was your first cohort that you were running. What have you learned from it? Any, any major takeaways, things that you would change or you want to do differently for this upcoming cohort? Mm, good question. I've learned that I think we have this program, like initially when I first started, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to teach everyone about the travel industry because it took me like five years to figure it out. So I'm going to speed it up into three months and just teach them everything. But I realized that it's not about the education so much in this type of environment and this type of program. What I found the value was for most people was the collaboration with other people in the same boat and that they had the answers within them. Like it wasn't that I was externally presenting the answers on a golden platter. 
um, of what they had to do with their business, but they just needed the environment to kind of sink into what they knew they needed to do and take risks in a way that take really big risks in a way where they also felt supported by a community. So I think for knowing that now, the next cohort, we're going to have a few less master classes and more time amongst each other to like learn from each other, chat to each other, co-work, like we'll have co-working sprints is something I'm introducing. So we just jump online with our cameras off and work for an hour and then tell each other like, this is what I'm proud of that I've accomplished <laughs> the past hour. So it's it's that accountability as well. So that's how I'm designing things a little bit differently for the next cohort. And I also would really love to make this the roster of mentors and experts to be a lot more reflective of the diverse industry that we have um, and to expand my network to people that I want to bring in more people from different diverse communities across the travel industry to really represent just how diverse this industry is. Because again, when we're looking at like who's in power and who's in charge, those people kind of look the same. I want to create a new level of like what success looks like through lived experience, not just who, what you have on your resume or how professional you appear. So I will be sourcing people who maybe don't have 10 years of experience in the industry. Maybe they have three years of experience or they, they just launched a business themselves, but they have a lot of wisdom. So bringing people in like that, that don't, aren't necessarily what we see right now in the leadership ranks of the industry and helping the women and, and non-binary folks in the program just see that if these people can do this, like I can do this because they're, they're paving the way, they're doing amazing things and I don't need to be a white man to succeed basically. I love that. I love that so much. And it's so true because years of experience can be an indication of how knowledgeable you are or job title can be an, an, an indication, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And often if we're talking about people who aren't given the same opportunity to rise in those ranks or have those years of experience, then obviously they're not going to. It doesn't mean that they're, they're not as good or better than, than those that do. They just haven't necessarily had that opportunity. Exactly. Yes. It's about questioning the systems that are in place that got the industry to this point. Like That's what I want to do. I want to make people see that you don't need to have a certain level of success, um, that the restrictions that have been placed on underserved or marginalized communities don't need to be there anymore, that those people can rise up and that they can see success. So yeah, I'm really, really excited about that. That sounds great. And how do you find people to lead your masterclasses? Is there, I mean, I've I looked at your, the form that applicants have to fill out to apply to the women's work program as a mentee, but do you have a similar process for vetting people who are going to be the mentors, the leaders in this, in the community? Yeah, good question. I have a, I have a mentor application form. So actually, um, if anybody's interested in that, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'll send that through. Uh, if anyone wants to be a mentor that's listening, but the subject matter experts, I, I don't have a formal application. I'm sort of like asking around and prospecting my network of who I know and who I, who I think is good at this topic and honestly, like I'll just throw out questions on LinkedIn every few weeks if I'm like, oh, I'm looking for an expert in this. Can you guys, does anybody know anybody that is good at this and that they could recommend? Because I find like just looking for people with certain titles doesn't work. It doesn't fit that 
that idea of like lived experience being just as valuable as whatever you happen to be, whatever you happen to have in your title. And actually a lot of them are entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs kind of run in the same networks. So when I ask an entrepreneur friend or colleague, they often have amazing people to recommend. So that's kind of how I do it. And then we jump on the phone, have a little interview, um, see if they're excited about it, see what they're excited to talk about and what what they think based on their experience, people in the program might benefit from. So it's kind of back and forth process that way. That sounds great. Yeah. Word of mouth is always the best way to find the right people. So love that organic approach. Do you have any advice? I mean, obviously you could suggest that someone who's just starting or interested in starting a business in tourism to go through your program, but any general advice to listeners who are maybe they're considering one day starting their own business, but they're a bit nervous, a bit hesitant about actually moving forward with it? Yes, I love this question. I actually asked the the uh, last cohort in our very last closing ceremony, like, what's one piece of advice? What's one really good piece of advice that you have that you've heard, um, and that you would give? So whenever I get asked this question, in the past six months, I've had to reflect on it a lot. It's just to start now and to not be restricted by what you think you don't know. Because if you've never done something, of course, you're not going to know. But having not done it is not a reason to not start. Everybody has to start somewhere. And the further you delay it, I find at least like the more tension builds. Like I had the idea for women's work for months before I did anything. And it got to the point where I was like, I have to just quit my full-time job and I have to just go for this. Like it's actually uncomfortable at this point. And I wish I didn't wait so long, you know, like, so start now. Like I knew nothing about doing something like this before I started. I had the passion and excitement to guide me through and to help me be resourceful and what I needed to learn and like ask the right people and go to the right resources. So start now and be resourceful. Those are my two pieces of advice. I love that. Yeah, I really like hummed and hawed about starting a podcast. And, you know, you just doubt yourself constantly. And I think that's one of the things I love about how you've, you're shifting your lessons to involve more collaboration and just like having time to check in with people. Cause that's what you need when you're doing something on your own is just to ask, like, does that sound okay? Am I, am I in on, in the right direction? Am I, am I doing the right thing? And I found that really, difficult and nerve wracking when I was starting this podcast and I would get so sweaty every time I would interview someone and it was just a nightmare. And now that I've done it for about a year now, it's just, it's been amazing. I I mean, I still get nervous sometimes, but I've, it's, it's grown so much and it is just about just doing it and learning along the way. Yes. I love that. And like, if you didn't do this, the world would be missing your gifts. Like, if you weren't putting this out there and you weren't putting yourself out there, like we would be not as well off as, as uh, like globally, you know, like you're by doing this and by showing up fully as yourself, you're allowing others to learn. And that's just like so huge. So I love your honesty too, about, about getting nervous doing something for the first time and how like, you don't, like you will be nervous, like being nervous is not a reason not to do it. It, It's actually a really hard lesson I had to learn. I was like, Oh, if this scares me, and I'm not good at it, why would I do it? That was my motto for so long. And I'd be like, Oh, if I'm nervous, it means I'm not going to be good. So like, I'm just not, I'm just not going to take a chance. So like this, 
actually launching women's work was like the biggest, it was like a microcosm of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Like I learned all the hard lessons that the women and non-binary folks are learning through my program as the founder of the program. We're all in it together. Like they all knew it was my first time doing it. And it was just so fun to be like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing, but like, let's do this. Like it's, you guys are getting a lot out of it. It's working. Sure. So yeah, learning along the way, not having it all figured out before you actually take a leap is so valuable. I actually had no program before I started telling people about it. When I told them about it, they were like, oh, sign me up. Yeah. When's the cohort? When does the first cohort start? So I actually created the first program in like a few weeks, like six weeks (laughs) and just did it and launched it. And now I'm sort of, you know, I've learned a lot and I'm perfecting the next one, but there's a lot to be said for just jumping in there. Absolutely. I love the phrase done is better than perfect. Like don't get it. Cause I'm a perfectionist on, on so many other things. I like to be super organized and work and everything. So I'm so tempted to just spend years <laughs> preparing for something rather than just do it. And I don't like the idea of doing something imperfectly, but I've come to the realization that it just, it's better done than perfect. And to just go out there and, and try. Right. And what is perfect anyways? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, love your business. Love what you're doing. What do you want to do with your business in the future? What do you, what are some of the goals you have for the next year, five years with women's work? Okay. So dreaming big is part of my repertoire. And (laughs) what I would like to do with this is take it to the point where we're running cohorts every month around the world. Like I have an Asia Pacific chapter and every person that joins the travel industry that identifies as like women, gender, queer, non-binary can take this program in a way that's financially accessible for them. So the idea would be to get more sponsors involved and offset the costs of the program um, and have this be like the first stop for anyone starting a tourism business. Really like that's, I just, and I want the whole thing to be through an anti-oppression lens, really questioning the systems that are in place. And that's how we're going to build a better industry, in my opinion. That's my, let's say, three-year plan. And then five-year plan is like, let's maybe take it to other industries. Like maybe I bring on other industries under the Women's Work logo and name and sort of not franchise it out, but kind of like allow other male-dominated industries to use this model to bring more women entrepreneurs into the fold. So don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but that's the beauty of it. You don't need to know. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's so much value in teaching people in this organic way, you know, like, I I went to university, I'm a big fan of more formalized education, but I also just love when you can meet people who are actually in the field who have experience and who can talk to you about what it's like, answer your questions. It's so valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's where the gold is for sure. (laughs) Well, Iris, thank you so, so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm sure there are listeners who would be interested in getting in touch with you, learning about your program, maybe becoming a mentor. Where or how is the best place for them to get in touch with you? Um, Yes, they can find me on LinkedIn. Women's Work has a page, M-N, sorry, what is that? M-W-M-N-S-W-O-R-K. That's the LinkedIn page. Um, Or they can email me, iris at byirisco.com so iris at b-y-i-r-i-s-co.com 
and we'll happily chat with anyone that wants to learn more and know more. Cool. Thanks. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes so everyone can get in touch. Uh, well, thank you again. Oh, actually, when is your next cohort going out? Oh, yes. The million dollar question. Um, September 19th, 2022. Applications are open now and they close on August 1st. So if you're interested, please apply. So September 19th to December 9th. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Iris, and good luck with the next cohort. Thanks, Kara. Great to chat with you. 